0: Welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. I am uh, happy to have Ryan Chaw on. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, how's it going,
1: Mike? Hey, I'm honored to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, so we are going to talk uh, for all of you listeners that are thinking about getting into uh, real estate part time while keeping your W two. That's a little bit what we're going to go over. And uh, you know, Ryan, one of the things that's very important, you know, when I first started in. Uh, investing was that w2 you know it's kind of like that's something that you really had to have in order to buy uh, the properties is that something that you realize also when you first got started
1: yeah definitely a lot of uh, lenders want to see like some sort of work history or see that you're, you know, making more income each year, or at least a job offer letter to see that you're making that W-2 income to lend to you. Um, That's for kind of conventional financing. Conventional financing is one of the best type of financings out there. You have like the lowest rates as a a W-2 worker.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you get started in uh, investing in real estate?
1: Yeah, you know, I was inspired by my grandpa. He bought a couple of properties in the Bay Area. Um, We all know those properties went up like crazy. The rent went up and it paid for his expenses and also... Uh, he was able to pay for part of my college tuition and that of my brothers as well. I also saw my friend get into it um, while I was in college. He rented out, he house hacked, he bought a property next to campus and he rented out to roommates. And I was like, hey, I can do the same thing. So I basically started out in 2016, bought my first property. Um, I actually had to save up a lot of money. So I Uh, I didn't actually have to if I wanted to house hack, but I saved up a lot because I wanted to be in the best position to purchase as much property as possible. Um, So I worked a couple jobs, two jobs actually, and I work overtime. I would work like from 7 30 a.m. sometimes to 10 p.m. So I'll do like a double shift. And that allowed me, that basically put me in the best position to be able to buy uh, those that real estate. And so I bought one a year, rented out by the bedroom, and now I'm making $17,580 uh, per month in rental income. So it's about $6,000 per month in cash flow. And I'll be able to retire next year year at 31.
0: Now before you retire, how are you, how are you going to are you just what's your plan on getting more real estate if you no longer have that W two?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So right now I'm tapping into the equity on some of my properties. So I'm going to actually purchase probably two more this year, two more next year. And for me, that I feel like that's enough cash flow. I'll be having around $9,000 or $10,000 in cash flow per month. So I feel that's enough ca- cash flow to uh, live a good, you know, comfortable life and pay for my expenses so that I can be able to uh, have that time freedom and flexibility for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I actually plan on selling one of the houses and paying off like three other houses with the equity that, because that house is already paid off. And then I'll just have a couple houses that are mortgages and some that are fully paid off. And then I'll, um, you know, my plan is to just basically use that passive income to
0: uh, explore other ventures um, in my life. Now, uh, you're You've been at it for five years now, and you're still in your 20s, right?
1: Yeah, 29.
0: Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm still going at it, and I'm much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you want to pay some off. And uh, so, what is when you talk about uh, the internal rates of return and, and the cash flow? Do you think it's, tell me, that tell our listeners the difference between uh, why you should have some debt on some and then why you want to pay cash on others, you know, cash them out
1: yeah i mean for me it's a little bit of a peace of mind i mean that's always something a lot of people ask but what i believe in is leveraging as much as you can at the beginning because it's kind of like planting seeds to grow into a garden you want to plant a lot of seeds and then wait for it Mm -hmm. to grow rather than um you know wait and accumulate and try to get all that capital to buy a property in cash and then you can only plant like one seed right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the idea. I wanted to first leverage as much as, as possible. That's why I tapped into the equity on my properties using a HELOC <clears throat> and plan to do that more HELOCs this year um, to purchase more properties. But then in the end, I kind of want to be at the stage where I have some paid off. So if the economy were to crash or something like that, some unforeseen event occurs like COVID, I'm still, you know, not going to be struggling to pay off and pay those mortgages
0: and why do you want to stop at six or seven or eight um why not keep going are you just sitting there it's like well you know this amounts fine for me and and Mm -hmm. you know why not own 100 properties
1: yeah that's a great question um i always plan on expanding actually uh what i plan to do though is of course have that retirement step and then i i want to do some Um, mindset work and kind of take a little bit of a break to kind of clear my head and see where do I want to go next with my business, with my life, with my relationships and career and all of that. Um, But most likely I will be continuing buying properties uh, using something more like a limited partnership where I'm the general partner and then I have limited partners that come in and I'll either Promise like an eight percent interest rate, or maybe I might um, allow them to have some of the equity on the property.
0: And do you, uh, and, and that's a good idea because we, we do syndications, and you know we also have some JVs, from joint ventures. Uh, so that's that's how we were able to really grow and and expand. Mm-hmm. Um, are all yours that you have the rentals or the lease owned? Or are you doing? You said you're house hacking on one of them. They're yeah, just- so
1: I'm actually uh, able to live. So the one I just purchased, actually, I'll run through the numbers real quick. I bought for 511000 000- all from the equity on the HELOC that I took out. So I didn't have to put in money from my own pocket. I used the the equity that was kind of building up on my other properties to purchase it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I pay maybe a 5%, 5 .5 5.5% interest rate on that HELOC. So that's about $5,500 per year. And that's what, $400 a month or so. Um, And then my mortgage on it is $2,300. So altogether, that's about $2,700 or $2,800. Um, and then I'm making $3,650 because I rented out the four other bedrooms. I actually added a fifth bedroom and rented out the four others. I stay in the master. And then I put in a couple into one of the bedrooms. So I was able to make a little bit more from that. And so I'm making the spread between $3,650 and the $2,800 minus some other expenses. So I'm basically living for free while uh, this house is appreciating. hmm and my equity is being paid down by the tenants, or I get equity pay down, loan pay down from the tenants.
0: Are all of your other houses a uh, per bedroom rental? Yes,
1: exactly. So what I typically do is I'll buy like a three-bed, two-bath that has a large square footage, typically over 1,500 square foot. And I can usually add a fourth and a fifth bedroom to those houses to increase my rent by $600 per room. So with two bedrooms, that's an extra $1,200 to $1,400.
0: What type of tenant are you getting that is only interested in just a bedroom?
1: Yeah, student tenants. So a lot of people are worried like, oh, are they going to, you know, be partiers, college party frat guys and destroy your house? Right. But for me, I found that's not the case if you target the right type of tenant. So I target tenants that are more like professional school students, pharmacy, dentistry, medical doctors, nurses, um, that type of deal. uh, People who are maybe juniors and seniors in college and more serious about finally earning their degree. Um, I also target colleges that are
0: on usually the top colleges list mm. as well. And uh, so they have uh, just like a shared family room. They're just doing the, it's uh, basically like dorm rooms, right? And you're, they're just doing that. And are they on 12 month leases or month to month? 12 months.
1: So it's like the college dormitories and that it's yeah you share the kitchen and and things like that but there's still a lot more space compared to the dormitories like there's the living room area there's the backyard the garage for storage Uh, they have laundry room and all that type of stuff so we're basically offering um, the student more privacy more space compared to the on-campus dormitories and we're charging half the rent so we're charging maybe about $600 versus you pay $1,200 and you have bunk with someone at at the university so Mm -hmm. for many it's a blue ocean market honestly a lot of uh, students want to save money during college and lower their student debt so it's a win-win situation for everyone and yes one one year leases um and they have the option of subleasing during the summertime to summer school Mm students
0: oh really so you allow them to sublease do you have to yes definitely do, do you have to uh verify or do an application for the sublease?
1: No, actually, so it's for the subletter. basically what you have is you still have the, the primary tenant on your the lease. So your agreement is with the primary tenant. So it's up to the primary tenant to go ahead and vet the person that they wanna bring in. But usually it's like their friends or it's like somebody, um, you know, another student that's uh, part of the off-campus housing Facebook mm-hmm.
0: group. And so that's usually what we bring in. What happens if the subleaser doesn't pay?
1: Then the primary tenant, unfortunately, is still responsible for paying the rent. Um, But, you know, what I say is, hey, you know, choose somebody you trust, vet them yourself. Um, I would recommend collecting like a security deposit in case they stop paying you and then you pay us. Um, So if you collect that security deposit, at least you're good for the next couple months, and then we can work to resolve that situation. But I haven't, here's the thing, a lot of people are worried about evictions. So there's two main problems in real estate, sorry, there's evictions, and then a tenant Mm -hmm. not paying, right? So for this niche, where you're investing in student housing and renting out to students, it's usually the parents that are going to be paying the rent. And mm-hmm. so no parent's going to just stop paying rent for their child and risk like the eviction process and all of that. So I've never um, really had to deal with that type of circumstance um, because I choose the
0: right tenants. What kind of addendums do you use for the sublease?
1: Any- um, I actually state in my lease contract, no subleasing unless written, um, written consent from the landlord, mm-hmm. essentially.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm just going through because we have a lot of homes. I'm just kind of going through the the, process. Yeah. Well, the process that that you're doing, then just some of the liability Mm -hmm. um, issues that that could pop up and and might, you know, especially with the uh, landlord tenant laws in California, the, the way that they are.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's why I recommend you collect a pretty large security deposit, either one to one and a half times a month security deposit. That's just in case uh, something were to be broken or, you know, something happened in the common area. Um, then at least you can take from the deposit if, if something were to happen like that. But I haven't had too many issues mm-hmm. again, because I do the right marketing and I really vet my tenants before I bring them in.
0: Yeah. So if the you know, what happens if the sublease doesn't want to leave? Yeah. And then the person that's on the contract says, Hey, you need to get out. Now you have an issue with the sublease and they're not even on the lease.
1: Yeah. So in that case, what I would do is usually I do actually get contact info from everyone at least. And so a lot of times they'll list like, you know, their parents Mm -hmm. um, for emergency and all that. So if it were to get to that point, there are, there is a step-by-step process. I would of course contact mm. one of the parents and I'll of course talk directly with them. If um, the tenant still can't resolve it themselves. Um, and then after that, I would just say, you know, I'm just going to call up the parent and say, Hey, this is the situation. Can you help me out here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's, I see, I see, see you know, we could we could talk about this off off uh, recording, but yeah, I mean, I it's an interesting way to do things. Um, mm-hmm. All right, do you have any ambitions on doing like uh, multifamily, or you just going to stick with single-family houses?
1: Maybe multifamily student housing, so like um, complex uh, complexes nearby, because I just really like this model. Right, um, the student has is not the one actually paying the rents, the parents. So it's the, they have an authority figure in case something were to happen. Right. Um, and it's it's separated. So like if the tenant gets mad at you, you're not going to all of a sudden stop not getting rent. Right. Versus in a normal single family, um, if the tenant doesn't like something or they expect you to make this repair or mm-hmm. whenever you have a bad relationship with them, all of a sudden they stop paying rent. Now you're <laughs> stuck with potentially doing an eviction.
0: Yeah, and do you make the parents co-sign? Yes, definitely,
1: whenever possible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, because if 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 the if the kids think that mom's going to mom and dad's going to pay, and then you don't, you evict, and then they don't leave, and you know you have to have some type of of recourse. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Especially if that sublease is there, then what if they stop paying? Now yeah. it goes back on the original parents and they're not going to like that. Someone else is actually living there and they have to be responsible. So I can just see.
1: <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Potential there. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of different potentials. Um, so when do you s- try to
1: uh, yeah. invest in there. Sorry. And like, follow up for that. I do try to invest at colleges where they do have like summer school sessions uh, pretty frequently. So my college, actually the pharmacy school has year round um, schooling. So they go through summer as well. Same for the dentistry, they go through summer. Um, So I kind of like try to find schools that have that so that I'm not worried about having to deal with subleasing. And a lot of times uh, the students don't even uh, want to sublease. They You know, they they'll go on their summer vacation and then they might use the house sporadically during the summer. Mm -hmm. So they're like, I might as well just store my things there so that I don't have to move out and then move back in next year. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, a lot of people are just doing that because it's honestly it's not too much in rent. You know, it's a fraction of what they would pay on campus. So it just
0: makes sense for a lot of them to just do that. So where do you see yourself in five years? You have six properties, five years. Where do you see yourself? Yeah.
1: So that would be five years plus 29 is 34. Um, I might be working my pharmacy shift like once or twice or maybe three times a week. I still have yet to decide that because I, I really do love the profession because we're helping people and giving back to the community, especially during this pandemic. Um, one of the things I did was went out and gave a lot of the COVID vaccines. And so, you know, it kind of helped. Um I mean, there's obviously there's uh, some controversy, but I believe it did help, kind of help end the pandemic. Um, And so I'll be doing that part-time, but I do want to eventually get into like medical research because one thing that happened when I was two years old was I had a life-threatening allergic reaction, anaphylaxis to peanuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so ever since then, I've always struggled with these allergies throughout my life. And one of my uh, big goals before I pass away is to find a cure for allergies. So either investing in medical research for that or starting my own medical research company. So, you know, I have all these... I had all these big goals since I was a child and just working, you know, 40 years as a pharmacist, even though it's great and I'm giving back to community, I didn't want that to be my only uh, impact on the world. Okay.
0: Well, very good. Now where can uh, everybody find you?
1: Yeah. So Um, I offer coaching for the student housing business. Um, And for those who are just interested in the student housing uh, industry in general, or those who are just trying to get started in real estate, I provide this free guide um, which kind of goes through the step-by-step of how I did it. Um, it's at www.NewbieRealEstateInvesting.com slash guide. That's www.NewbieRealEstateInvesting.com guide. And Newbie is spelled N-E-W-B-I-E. I also have a weekly newsletter. So you'll get weekly emails about kind of the obstacles that I encountered on my journey and how I solved them mm-hmm. um, and the step-by-step strategies that I've used to build my portfolio to a multiple six figures.
0: Perfect. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on and uh, hope everyone checks it out. And yeah, that's uh, uh, newbierealestateinvesting.com. Thanks a lot, Ryan. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.TheRicherGeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes i appreciate you and thanks for listening